back to Cinema Adventure. We're a movie podcast where every week we sit down and have a discussion about a film. This week we are joined by a very special guest, Celia Schluckaway. Celia, welcome. Hello. How are all of you? I'm great. I'm so um, excited that we have a two-timer now, a recurring guest. Yeah, you could be a regular. Was I your you first be... guest? Mm. Dee Dee from the Home Plates podcast. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Number two. You were guest number two, though. So number two. Wow. Came, in, came in second silver medal. Yeah. Silver medal. But you're back a second time and hopefully a third time. Who knows? So, Fourth yeah. time, fifth, I don't know. Well, Just we'll see. We'll it. see if we're all still friends at the end of this episode. We'll I think see. we. I think we. Will I hope be. So. I feel like this is the kind of movie that brings somebody together, which brings us to Probably. our first point. Celia, oh, what movie go. are we talking about today? <laughs> today we are talking about Be Kind, Rewind, which is what year is it from? Two thousand eight. Okay, two thousand eight. I was gonna guess two thousand six. I did too, because there's a lot of them being like it was shot in two thousand six. So I just kept seeing the year two thousand six, and so I almost oh. like my body was like that's the year it was and it's like no it's not it's amazing how i subconsciously assumed that because i didn't even remember that it was like a different time mm, uh, than the actual release date but um yeah, yeah so be kind of <laughs> mind <laughs> yeah Celia, why did you pick this movie? Yeah. What's your backstory of uh, kind of rewind? <laughs> very little actually um this was Basically, a I texted a friend of mine who listened to the first podcast I was on, which was Gone Girl, and he said, that was a real bummer of a movie you picked. You should pick something <laughs> funner. And I said, I don't watch fun movies. I only watch bummers. So what should I do? And he said, be kind of rewind. So here we are. Went in completely blind, no expectations, and I think we'll find that I enjoyed it. That's, <laughs> That's good. good. I also enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it quite a sum. See, it's like a nice like triangle of positivity that's going on here. Yeah. (laughs) It's very on theme, I think. Yeah. Oh, for sure. No, I I feel like at the end of this this podcast when we're doing our final thoughts, I'm not going to be like, well, my rating of this movie went up from the last time (laughs) I saw it. Because this is the second time I've seen this movie. It's not going to be like Gone Girl where I was like six. And at the end of the podcast, be like eight and a half. Did you rate Gone Girl on the original episode? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, as a I joke, asked him to. give it. I give it eight and a half. As a oh, okay, joke. I was gonna yeah. say like if yeah. it were the six, I'd be a little. Yeah, bit no, bummed. I gave no, I gave yeah. it an eight for the movie and a point five for the nudity. Yes, exactly. Wow. Oh, there you go. Wow, the boobs really it's added all... a lot of dimension yeah. to the film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all coming back to me now. <laughs> yeah, it, it was like yesterday. Yeah, truly. Yeah, so young then. If yesterday was three months ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, I think I think it's I'm happy that you picked a movie that is gonna make us all happy because we were just talking about when when are we gonna watch a stinker was something we were discussing recently. It's like we've just been talking about yeah. good movies. When are we gonna watch a bad one? But it's good to talk about good movies. I guess I feel like the one we just talked about we didn't like though, so that was kind of I guess a stinker as you would say. Oh yeah yeah. So there you go. That's upcoming. So now like we have that stinker behind us, and now we have a good movie again. Behind it's us, good. ahead of you, the audience. So <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, Sounds like something that's gonna get cut <laughs> from the don't, recording. No, it's gonna come out. It it's just yeah. It's great. Great. I think the audience will like it. They'll assume that we're ahead of the game. You know, that's just how things work. We, they can assume. We yeah. have it together, guys. We okay. have it very together. So, Celia, adventure, we're very professional. <laughs> professional. <laughs> so, Celia, could you give us, like, a plot summary succinctly of what happens in this particular film, Be Kind Rewind, from 2008, directed by Michael Gondry? Whoa. I thought it was Michel, because he's French. 
Is it Michelle? Yeah. Did I say Michael? You did say Michael. <laughs> That's wrong. And I'm yeah. sorry. How dare Michelle, you? I just French. had to call you out now. I can definitely try my best. So, as tradition, I don't remember any character names. Between. I only I only remember actors' names. I'll, I'll say the character names when you say the actor names. Okay. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll team up on the description. Wow. Danny Glover. Mr. Fletcher. <laughs> runs a old school VHS rental place in the age of DVDs, and he is leaving for, like, a trip to yes. go somewhere. He goes somewhere to do <laughs> yeah. something. He's going, um, he, they're in New Jersey, right? Yeah, and he originally, goes, and he goes to New York. He goes to New York to do some studying. Right. Mm. Yeah. To try to figure out how to make his business better, because they're running out of money, and if he doesn't improve his building up to code, then it will be demolished. So while he's gone, he leaves his shop in the possession of most death. <laughs> Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, And he only leaves one instruction. Don't let your friend Jack Black. Jerry. (laughs) Into the store. And on the first night that uh, Danny Glover. (laughs) Mr. Fletcher. (laughs) I cannot do it. No, once was enough. Go ahead. Once was enough. Um, So the the first night that Mr. Fletcher's gone, Jerry tries to get Mike to help him stop the power plant because he thinks the power plant is melting his brain so and he ends up getting electrocuted magnetized and then erasing all of the vhs tapes in the shop yes yeah just by walking in i wish i had that effect when i walked into like a blockbuster or something yeah if those are still open you wish that you had that effect i wish i could just walk in and just i was magnetic you know and could just erase (laughs) it's such a cool it's like a weird like reject x-men power (laughs) i feel like it would do only bad things though and nothing of benefit i know i can't think of a positive thing it would do you could erase the hard drives of people who you didn't like there you go right there i don't that's not a positive that's like a mean spirited it's that's like a villain thing to do that i mean being a villain can be cool sometimes many might say that rejected x-men are x-men villains probably true didn't think about it that way i have no opinion on that (laughs) (laughs) in me either i don't know anything about (laughs) x-men retweet you've lost me except for magneto who was definitely an x-men before he went to the bad way oh yeah that's true see i feel like i've watched like all the x-men movies but i have not retained any of the information from them like i don't know welcome to cinema adventure this week we're talking about (laughs) x-men oh we're starting over (laughs) we're starting the podcast oh yeah i'm the new host which one celia you know what's funny is that you've now done a cinema adventure intro before blake has done one (laughs) that's good i'm never gonna do one that means i'm a permanent host sorry Blake. you kicked me out my (laughs) tenure's over Um, anyways. Whoa, tenure? I don't even have that. <laughs> Someone has to. So, Jerry erases all the tapes. Most deaf. It's <laughs> his Mike. His name is Mike. <laughs> Mike obviously gets really freaked out and upset, and his solution to fixing the problem is to film. If, if a customer comes in and requests a certain movie, they say, we'll give it to you tomorrow, and they spend the whole next day f- refilming the movie. <laughs> they make really adorable bootlegs of famous movies, and the first one they do is Ghostbusters. Yes. The shop gets really famous for it, everybody loves it, and then they get basically destroyed by a copyright claim, which 
spoiler alert, obviously that was going to happen. <laughs> and that's kind of the overall arc of the plot line. Yeah, so they, they decide to pull the neighborhood together and make one <laughs> final film, but they decide this one is not going to be bootleg, it's going to be an original. Mm-hmm. So they make a story about a jazz musician from the area, and they get the whole neighborhood involved to play all the characters, and they pull everybody together for a screening, and it's kind of ambiguous at the end if they've made enough money to save the building or not, but it doesn't really matter because they all kind of bonded over the experience. Yeah. So it's it's uplifting. It's in that very way. wholesome. It's mm-hmm. incredibly wholesome. I like to think it was saved by Sigourney Weaver, who you know love when she just walk. I mean, she comes yeah, in was... like at the end of the movie, and it's Sigourney Weaver. It's like, oh, what's up? How you doing? That was pretty. <laughs> that was pretty buck wild that she <laughs> yeah, just like shows up. I was surprised. I. I think it would have been funny if during one of the montages where they're making movies, they tried to remake Alien, and then she like showed up. She was it. like, "Copyright strike." <laughs> well, I, feel like... I am Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> it was like I wonder if they planned that with because I mean the first movie they recreates Ghostbusters and she's in Ghostbusters. So I wonder if that was like intentional or just like afterward they were like, "Oh, I guess there's that little commonality there." Makes you wonder. That's got to be the reference. I forgot that she was in Ghostbusters. She gets I, I, possessed, right? She's, I've never seen She gets possessed by Gozer. That's so good. Not Did all you? the way through. I, I feel got... like I've seen scenes, but not the whole yeah. thing. I thought she got possessed by Zool. I don't know Zool. how I remember that. Yeah, no, it's Zool. You're right. I feel like I only remember that because I thought like Zool was a dumb name. So it's like, that's such an <laughs> anticlimactic villain name. Anyway. <laughs> Back on track. Yeah. <laughs> no, I really liked this movie, and it was making me think about... How in general, I feel like most movies I've seen that are like movies about movie making are generally very likable. I don't know what it is. It could be like a not great movie and I would still kind of like it just for that bringing people together aspect, I guess. It's very wholesome and nice. This has got to be the first movie about making movies that like didn't win an Oscar. It's true. They tend to love that. But this one was also very moving and I don't know it was it wasn't about like big scale movie making it was about you know just making some goofy stuff with your buddies which is something I feel like a lot of probably teenagers now who all have smartphones and cameras on mm-hmm. them all the time have probably done and oh, could you relate could. to yeah at least I could definitely my <laughs> friends and I made tons of dumb oh, really? ridiculous movies on phones or iPods in like 7th through 10th grade I did that like, when I was, was like... total pastime. In, like, elementary school, I did that. I had, like, my own YouTube channel. It was very bad. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I, I gotta shut that stuff down. I Can we have a... a segment where we just look up no. Blake's old YouTube channel? <laughs> I'm so for... glad, though, because I deleted the most embarrassing ones, like, before I forgot the password. And I had, like, this puppet I used, and luckily, like, those are all deleted. But there are some remnants, so... That's good. That puppet was not Whoa. a good idea whatsoever. But I'm canceling all my plans for the like, night. Yeah, you just got to go on my old channel, I guess. I don't even know what's there anymore, but it's <laughs> hopefully good. <laughs> yeah, when I was when I was in high school and middle school, my friends and I definitely, we would make music videos or like song compilations or sketches or whatever, and it was all awful. <laughs> and... I have no control over where those got uploaded, so I'm very upset that they're still probably out there in the ether. But it was really fun, and I feel like movie making, you know, like you were saying, Blake, movie making movies are so interesting because there's an inherent requirement for cooperation and for teamwork, and I think that that really lends itself to an engaging story Mm -hmm. and a relatable story because, you know, not everybody has done dumb videos like us, but you've like everybody's worked in a team and everybody's mm-hmm. experienced that rush that you get when you finally make something happen 
through collaboration. And so I think that's probably why it's so relatable. No, totally. Like throughout watching, I was almost like, I thought about like back in those days when I was making videos and stuff and like how fun that was. And you could feel that like as the characters were making stuff too. Like you could just feel how much of a fun experience it was. I think that definitely adds to the enjoyment of the movie. I wish that there were more sequences like when they were making Ghostbusters at the beginning because they went pretty in depth on like what they were doing in that film. You saw the special effects that they did, how they achieved them. And, and you do get that again at the end when they're making the documentary about Fats Wallen, uh, the jazz musician. But there's just, in the middle of the film, there's this montage that just shows them making all these different movies. And it is comical, but I wish that, I either wish it was a little longer or that they had gone more in depth on some of those. Because they highlight some crazy titles. There's like, yeah. during the montage, it shows the titles of the movies and it's like, Last Tango in Paris? There's some stuff in that movie that I'm not <laughs> sure how they recreated. Yeah. And that was enjoyed by the neighborhood, <laughs> you know? yeah. I wonder. I didn't even notice that detail, but yeah, Last Thing of Paris, that's an interesting movie to remake. Like, you'd really... I feel like you have to almost, like, reimagine the storyline, unless you want to scandalize your neighbors really badly, <laughs> but, you know. Or just cut half the scenes. I mean, they said that the movies were only, what, 20 minutes 20 long? Minutes long yeah. So Yeah, that's true. They just hit the high notes? Yeah. Yeah. I wish there was Some a way... Some of the high notes. <laughs> yeah. I wish there was a way to, like, view a lot of them in full, because, like, I feel like what I saw, I'm like, oh, this is kind of cute, but, like, the idea of it being so popular, I'm like, okay, it's got to be, like, really great, and I'm just, like, not seeing this thing that everyone else... So I was there's a way to see them all, so I could kind of see why it was such a big phenomenon. Yeah, if this was, if this was like, an early days of the internet movie, you'd know that there would be a website you could go to at the end of the movie to see oh, all probably. the short films that they made on set. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I'd love that. Although, maybe not, because Sigourney Weaver would have probably shown up if they did it for real and been like, copyright strike. That's true. Hopefully maybe. not. Also, they get rid of all those tapes by running them over with a, what is it, a steamroller? It's not a steamroller. <laughs> that's like a train. It's like, a, what is it? It's a... Who can a say? bulldozer? Is no. It, no, it's, no. Like, it's the one that rolls. Um, the one that rolls. I'm sorry. I feel like that's a bulldozer. I don't know. No, the bulldozer has like the cup. Not, not oh, a cup. oh, you're this right. is so embarrassing. Oh, yeah, the um. Then what is what's that part of it called? I literally work for a construction company. Really? Wow. And I cannot even. It's not called. The, think of one. I um, can't think of a better. I mean, yeah, it's not. No, cup, I was right. It's a steamroller. Wow. You're so good. I got it. You I just wow. my job. I doubted myself. <laughs> I just Google image search steamroller to see if I was correct. <laughs> like a, you like could have gotten some child. bad. You could have gotten some bad results from that search. I just want to say that's well, I, true. I, I keep safe search on on the phone. <laughs> oh really? Safe search is such yeah. a bummer. I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Miss some good stuff. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like most of Michelle Gondry's other movies are very like kind of weird and arty. Like he directed Eternal Sunshine or The Spotless Mind and like The Science of Sleep. And I kind of appreciate how conventional this movie is compared to a lot of his other ones. Like, I do like it once in a while when these very idiosyncratic directors will kind of put a hold on their, like, biggest stylistic cues and just make a very straightforward movie because I think you can get better results that way. But I do think this is a very good departure for him. I don't really, I'm trying to think of what he directed after this because I know the previous two. He's made good stuff in the past. Like you mentioned that the movie was conventional, that it was, I'm sure it's more conventional than his other films. Mm. But there's still this weird, almost kind of fantasy feeling or that the movie that you're watching was made by some goofy yeah. guys with a tape recorder because the whole explanation just in general of how the tapes got erased <laughs> is so bizarre and wacky, <laughs> and it's something that is touched on for only a little bit. Jack yes. Black is 
he lives next to a uh he lives like a in a dump plant yeah he lives in a dump right next to an electrical plant mm-hmm. uh what is that what is it called they um it was a power plant they call it a power plant they call it a power plant okay yes. it's not like a nuclear power plant no like it's in not the Simpsons. A, it's not a nuclear power plant it looks like in real life a um it's something it's a, a transfer station it looks like a um, transfer station all these terms that we have to like think about what they're called <laughs> just the uh, remembering words but episode. no he's you can anytime they're hanging out at the dump they're all wearing metal cages on there they're wearing faraday cages on their heads so that they don't get electrocuted by something urban so, hot couture that's yeah. all i can say so yeah so he's convinced jack black is convinced that he his brain is being messed with because of the power plant so he jumps the fence with his good buddy most deaf and just they're the well most deaf friends most deaf is like i'm not jumping this fence you go by yourself jack black then turns around, throws a grappling hook at the metal, which, great idea. Uh, he gets shocked, and the next time we see him, he's been magnetized. Anything he touches that met- that's metal attaches to him. So he walks into the video store. He's a big old magnet. It erases everything. And then he goes out in the street. He pees, and he's no longer magnetized. It was... It's wild. And that, that whole sequence of things lasts maybe 15 minutes yeah. where he's actually magnetized. And first of all, I want to say the sound effect of him being magnetized <laughs> and like touching things or when he puts his head up against the TV and the picture warps. Amazing. It's really good. <laughs> it was surprisingly so good. Such an easy special effect to accomplish, yeah. but yeah. so convincing. Exactly. He, like, he gets mad at one point because he, after he's magnetized, he gets kicked out of a movie store and he walks down the street and he's kicking a lamp post. Yes, and every time he kicks it, it makes this <laughs> noise every time his foot sticks onto it. <laughs> that, was so the, good. that was the moment I said, they, they perfected it. <laughs> Honestly. I feel like in Jack Black's physical comedy, like he has such a good timing that I almost like didn't even notice like just so much of his physicality in those scenes like is very difficult and like not a lot of actors can pull that off. But I like wasn't even thinking about that. But pulling that off is so hard. He's Jack Black. Yeah. No, a he convinces you that he's kicking a light pole and that he is in fact magnetic. He's so good. I feel like every time I watch a movie with Jack Black in it, I always walk into it thinking. Ew, Jack Black's in this. Like, I don't know if I'm gonna <laughs> like it. Really? And then oh, yeah. I, every time I watch it, and I always walk away appreciating Jack Black's always. performance. No, I Even just, in stuff like Kung Fu Panda or whatever, <laughs> where he's just a voice actor. But I don't know. He's really convincing. So good. I mean, he's very over the top. Uh huh. And that's why I feel like when you're away from it, it can feel a little, a little much. Yeah. 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 But then when you're in it, it's always the perfect amount honestly and he like i just saw jumanji and he's so good in that is that like, the, the new one the new jumanji yeah. welcome to the jungle because in that oh. one i don't know if either of you have seen it <laughs> but like the whole point is like these kids are playing a game and they get sucked into the game as like the character they picked oh it's and, like a video game yeah, yeah and so this game. this teenager this teenage girl accidentally picks like jack black so jack black <laughs> is just acting like a teenage girl the entire time which sounds very dumb but he does it very well and it's very well done and like it's I feel very, like everything he said I cackled, even if it was just like a little like mundane <laughs> detail. Like it was just so funny. But it's it's very easy to kind of underrate him in a way. I, I guess think. I need to see Jumanji you Welcome ha- to the it's Jungle. I gotta so, see it. It's so good. Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. I was surprised how much I liked it. I've okay. heard I've heard mixed. I've heard mixed. Really? Things. I had such a good time. <laughs> Honestly. Like I mean, everyone. I think every movie is enjoyable, so Oh for sure. <laughs> this is just like a classic. It just felt like a nineties blockbuster, but now 
but now, Honestly. but it's 2018. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very old fashioned and fun. Anyway. Well, that's good. I, I was worried that they were just going to try and remake the, the old Jumanji Oh, it's Jumanji nothing. Movie. I don't even it's know. It's not even related, really, is I, it? It's really not. Like, I feel like they just added the Jumanji to get a little bit of extra press, but it's nothing like it. Well, that's good. Other than the getting sucked into a game aspect. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But, like, Zathura exists, which oh, is yeah. literally Jumanji in space. Right. I feel so. like, have I seen it? I feel like I have seen it, but I've seen maybe it. I haven't. I know Kristen Stewart's in it, and mm-hmm. she gets frozen. Yep, that happens. God. And uh, and the and Peta from The Hunger Games. What's oh his name? God. Josh Hutcherson. He's in He's it? in it, too. Oh, wow. Maybe I should rewatch it. They're both great. As a child. Was the wow. hero good? Was that a good one? I mean, I watched it when I was peak obsessed with Twilight. Wow. And so I watched everything that Kristen Stewart was in because I wanted to be prepared for the movie Twilight <laughs> when it came out. <laughs> was, that, was that disappointing for you or was it all right? Was the Twilight series disappointing? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think well, I'm that's good. No, that's great. The answer, I mean, that's the good. answer is no. I mean, I think it's awful and stupid, but I also love it and will always Makes love sense. it. Makes sense. No. I think I've only seen Breaking Dawn Part 2, and that's it. But I, I love Kristen Stewart. Is that, that, is that the last one? That's the, the last one. one. I yeah, like, that's Barbie. the only one I've ever seen. What's up? <laughs> no, I... It was because it was, like, during Thanksgiving, and I think my family was watching the Super Bowl, and my cousin and my sister really wanted to see it, and I was like, well, I don't like football. So I was like, I guess I'll go. I enjoyed it. Also, Kristen Stewart's <laughs> I great. It. Kristen Stewart's post-Twilight career is amazing. Honestly. Like, she's made some great stuff. So, it makes you really kudos. feel like it wasn't her fault that... The movies no. were bad. No, she's like the best. And Marvel Pants and Two's had a very interesting post Twilight crew too. It's just like good. I'm so happy for them. I mean, I guess Taylor Lautner hasn't had like the same kind of indie respectability, but did I ask you? I mean, I know we're really on a tangent, but did I ask <laughs> you guys tangent. if if you guys saw Good Time? And oh, if you I liked did. it. I did not. I really see that. liked it. I don't. Have, you I liked it? Okay. I thought he was so. How have you not heard of it? I boy, here I am. <laughs> I'm in the middle of the triangle now. That was, that was like the movie. I feel like you everyone so everyone realized that like Robert Pattinson is like a really good actor. I've always been very like shifty with him, but like he's great. He's like he's shifted. He's shifted to he's fantastic. the prime of his career. Yeah, this will be. This will mark the beginning of yeah. his like successful. So, so if I see Good Time, I will no longer think of him as Cedric Diggory, the boy who died. I, f- I, don't I really hope now. not. I yeah. really, I really hope not because he, I don't think of him as Cedric Diggory, the boy who died. I, I, I do. What's up, Robert? <laughs> What's good? <laughs> no, he's like Al Pacino in Dog Day Afternoon. Like it's that good. Wow, like it's comparable to that. Praise. Yeah, high praise from Blake. I'm not gonna take it back. Most of the reviews anyway have compared him to that. So oh, I've yeah. never seen that. Oh, it's really good. Watch it. Al Pacino's next level in that as well. All of our conversations end with me saying, I haven't seen it. <laughs> That's me a lot of the time as well. It's hard to be all on the same page at all times. It's fine. Yeah. Okay, sorry. So we're, you know, we're, like, that we're, here to talk about. We're, we're at the perfect time. Everybody take a deep breath with me just up. Mm. Blake, I think it's time for you to give me some fun facts. Oh, I'm so happy to do that. So the reason, like, Jack Black does his own version of the Ghostbusters theme is because they do not have the rights to use the Ray Parker Wait, but junior. they play the song in the movie. Do they? I don't This is what IMDb They do play the me. song. I don't know. They do. Then is IMDb misleading me because... Well, no, but they, they but they might be allowed to use, like, a certain amount That's of time as opposed to... Uh, yeah, I think so. Because he sings 
for a for a while. Yeah, because yeah. I remember in media law they said you can oftentimes use other pieces if it's just like a very limited amount. But if you like did the entire song or like a you can minute, use, I believe about thirty seconds, and it has to be transformative in use or to begin yes. discussion. There you go. Mm-hmm. Let's go with that. I That's why we don't use copyrighted music in this podcast. <laughs> just do it, just because it doesn't transform law. anything. That's correct. No, unless you like rap over. I did consider playing a little bit of uh, Swan Lake for our The Red Shoes episode, I'm glad and we I, didn't. but then I got worried that our discussion wouldn't be transformative enough. So I decided <laughs> I just linked a YouTube video of Swan Lake, so anybody could go check that out. And if they you want don't want to wanna piss Tchaikovsky off. He's, you don't. He's going to he come back from the me. grave. Yeah. He's gonna like call the sugar plum fairy and say this kid's up to no good. And Tchaikovsky to... has been known to really ruin people's careers based on copyright claims. Yeah, he will rise from the grave time and time again. <laughs> His time is not up. Listen, I just do a podcast. I'm not ready to do an Ebenezer Scrooge type deal. That'll be lit. <laughs> I'm not ready for that, that really kind exciting. of spotlight. Oh, I love it. Give me your um, next fun fact, <laughs> yeah, please. I just everything causes a tangent, and I love it. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, in keeping with, I'm just reading this like literally what it says. In keeping with the spirit of the film, um, writer and director Michel Gondry suited a version of the movie's trailer featuring only himself on screen, which I did not look up, but would like to see it because I also don't know what good. he looks like, so that'd be this interesting. It's a good time for us to explain what suited means. Oh yeah, that's true. They make. <laughs> The, these movies that they make, these bootleg films, they call them the Sweden versions because they get asked about what they're doing. And they're like, we're Sweden them because we have to import them from Sweden. And then they just decide that they're just going to call it Sweden because, you know, Jack yeah. Black could say anything nonsensical and then make it cute. And it's, you'd believe him. It's really emblematic of the whole idea of the film of just let's say something completely ridiculous and we're not going to question it and we're Honestly. just going to go with it. And then suddenly you'll find yourself accepting it also. Truly. No, I accepted everything. Which, this kind of leads me to my other fun fact. A lot of people thought that Sweden was, like, taking a jab at, like, the Swedish government's file stance and copyright their, like, entire thing and piracy. Because if you notice, a lot of movies begin with, like, the all the stuff about don't duplicate it, and it says, like, 1977 Stockholm, whatever. But, Gondry did not have that in mind at all. It was just coincidental. He just thought it, like, sounded kind of funny. Sure, Gondry. He sure, Mr. Gondry. He says, sure, but that. it's just too much of a coincidence to me. I think he's being coy because he doesn't want somebody to think that he was using a copyrighted idea. Oh. Wink. Wow. We'll have to ask him again. property. <laughs> we could just, we could, like, interview him and then just say, off the record, um, could you let me know if this is true <laughs> or not? And then maybe he'd let us know. Who knows? I'm sure we could just call him. <laughs> yeah, he would definitely take our phone calls. Yeah, and be like, bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the room with us right now. <laughs> yeah. Surprise guest. Surprise, Surprise guest joining Celia today. <laughs> and a final fact, which I don't feel like is that interesting, but he was inspired to make the movie after making the documentary Dave Chappelle's Block Party, which took place on one city block. So he was like, loving this neighborhood spirit. Let's make another movie that really brings the community together. So, And it is true that most of this movie took place really mm-hmm. in one Yeah, spot. one block. All yeah. of it except for the bits where Mr. Fletcher is in New York doing mm-hmm. his research. Oh, and the, and the movie, the DVD store that they break into. Oh, yeah. But wasn't it, that just like across the street? Was it across the street? Was it? I don't know. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe I didn't 
Uh, I don't pay maybe attention. Maybe I went crazy anything. for a moment. <laughs> I guess the guy who the owns the place right does show up at the end with the projector and he's carrying it. So you don't just guess. You know that because that's true and it happened. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a wow, 2008 projector, a heavy boy, which would be hard to carry across town. Heavy, is there heavy boy? Is there like a lighter version that exists now, like that you can just fit in like the palm of your hand? I feel like. That's the standard yeah, projector. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there's smaller projectors. I'm just saying, he's bragging when they first go into the shop. He's like, brand new projector. This mm. thing can project so many amps of light. I don't sign. I don't know the terminology. It's like, it's got so many lumens. It's like a star. Lumens is the terminology. So you do know. It's got yeah. a lot of, see, I corrected myself from amps to lumens because amps is definitely something else. Yeah, that's sound. <laughs> We really, we really got deep in the weeds on Gone Girl the last time we were here. We got we into did. some analysis. We did. But... I don't know why we're not on the same Although, game that we usually I are. I mean, I don't. Is there a lot of analysis required with this movie? I feel like no, it's, no. Gone there Girl, there's so be. much. There could be. I guess. <laughs> Should we do like a more film-centric topic? Because I have no, one. In mind. No, no. I Let's mean, if you've got one in mind, I have. I have a praise, I guess. Not cinematography-wise, although it Bring looks us home. nice, I guess. But I was gonna say <laughs> how I did appreciate the fact that this movie is very quirky. But it does not overdo the quirkiness. I think there is so much, there's a lot of danger of that happening. Especially with like Jack Black's character is very wacky. But I feel like everyone feels like relatively plausible. And so like I appreciated, for the most part, it's pretty naturalist. I mean, granted it is, you know, not trying to be like a kitchen sink drama. Just very, you know, as realistic as possible. But it wasn't like overly cute or anything. And I think there was a big risk for that. And I especially appreciated after watching all these Wes Anderson movies, a movie that's just not, it has a quirky premise, but it's not over the top about it. I don't know if you both felt the same way, but. I thought that it was really this film, Be Kind Rewind, the one we're here to speak about today. <laughs> I thought that it was really grounded in relatable moments. Mm -hmm. So the quirkiness, you're right, it never felt too much because once it started reaching that edge, something very normal would happen yeah. and you would kind of be able to readjust to the situation. Like there was a moment when Jack Black and most of Jerry and Mike are the characters' names. They are eating dinner or something. I don't remember what they're doing. They're at a restaurant and the way that they're talking to each other and the hand they're shaking hands or high-fiving or doing something, the hand motions that they do, you can tell that they've been friends for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And I, I was so re like refreshed by that because up until that point in the film, I had kind of sat back and thought, I don't know, Mike's being kind of like mean to Jerry. And are we sure that Jerry's just quote-unquote paranoid as the, uh, you know, movie synopsis on <laughs> iTunes claims or if there's something a little bit more here and then Mike's being kind of mean but then that moment happens and you and you realize no this is just like their relationship and just their friendship and I felt like that was so nice and moments like that happen all throughout the movie mm -hmm. and without that I probably wouldn't have been able to handle the weirdness but yeah but it's in there so it's fine I, I agree yeah. completely I feel like what both of you said about it being grounded and real. If this movie had taken one little step further and been quirky, all of those really touching moments where they bring the community together, where they bond over having the shared activity <laughs> of making movies and they may or may not save this movie store, all of these emotional punchy moments I don't feel like would come through. If the whole tone yeah. had been quirky, you wouldn't feel connected enough to the characters to see that 
even though they are goofballs and they are solving a problem in a really ridiculous way, you wouldn't get that emotional ending. So yeah, I, I agree. It's it's good that they they you know Jack Black is a weirdo and just totally <laughs> always way over the top, but he also can be a good actor who does serious stuff. Oh, I think he sure. shows that side a little bit in this movie. So mm-hmm. does Most Def. Props yeah. to Most Def. Props to Most Def. Most Def's good. My my favorite scene in the whole movie is after after the guys come in and they and they introduce the term sweeted and all that stuff. They're sitting in it might be the same scene as the other one they're sitting in the restaurant and they're talking about the lion king and everybody else in the restaurant chimes in with oh my gosh i love that movie too and why they love the movie and like when they first saw the movie and it was so it was just so nice you know as as someone who watches a lot of movies and who experiences that moment of you click with a person even though you know nothing about them because you you know you both like the same thing mm-hmm. It was so nice to see that on film, and I feel like that kind of distilled the whole point of just we can all gather around this one thing, even though, you know, racially they were all different, you know, gender they were all different, but then it was they had this one connecting fiber, and that was I don't know why, but that was just the one moment where I was like, okay, I'm in, like this is fine, do whatever you want, I'm fine. Any other movie, right? In any other movie, we would see that scene of them eating dinner in a restaurant and they'd be like, oh, we got those guys who came into the movie store, we made them watch <laughs> The Lion King. And they would be the three people just sitting there in an empty restaurant and that would be the end of the conversation. But this kind of pulls you out and says, wait, no, the restaurant isn't quite empty. You can still see there's extras in the background. There's two or three people and they get a chance to chime in because they're building this idea that you're in this adorable neighborhood where everybody knows each other and everybody kind of gets along or if they don't get along they just do it in kind of like a goofy way Mm -hmm. exactly and it's almost like profound too even just thinking about how some movies are so beloved i mean like even like the lion king like it could for like millions of people be like one of their most favorite movies and the fact that movies can people can you know like you were saying like have all these different backgrounds but be able to all kind of agree on one thing i think definitely speaks to the power of movies and i think this movie does a good job of playing up to that Look at, that, look at that very good analysis that we just was did. really good that was great it was just like a little Guys, quick dang i'm i think that's perfect timing <laughs> for us to do our final thoughts and give recommendations all right. i guess well first of all i do want to say we didn't even talk about alma she was my favorite character how could we not talk about her <laughs> she was my favorite character in the whole movie all right time to she postpone so, final thoughts <laughs> postpone final thoughts there was she said something um when Mike was complaining to Alma about how Jerry is in all the movies. And um, she was like, I mean, I'm in them too. And (laughs) he didn't even care. And then when Jerry was complaining to Alma about Mike giving orders, and he was like, I take all of these orders. And she was like, I mean, I take them too. Like, I'm kind of also dealing with that. Uh And he says, no, 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 just me. Just, he literally says that. I died laughing. It was so funny. It was like every internet interaction that's ever happened uh. put to film in 2008, before that was even like really a big deal, before Twitter was a big thing. But maybe even before Twitter was a thing at all. When did Twitter 2008, start? 2008. I think Twitter was 2007. Okay, yeah. That early? Oh my God. I think so. I that's think so. crazy. 
Yeah, earlier than I think. I always I always know Twitter is earlier than I think it yeah. started. So that sounds about right. I don't know. I just loved it. She was so good, and I love how they just found her in a dry cleaners. Yeah, because they originally like they go character. in they go into the dry cleaners because they're filming. Are they making Bad Boys too? No, they're not. It's not Bad Boys. It's uh, <laughs> Rush Hour. 2. It's Rush Hour Two. They're remaking Rush Hour Two, and they need they have some guy from the neighborhood they have dressed up like a woman and they're gonna do a kissing scene and then he gets mad because they're not being professional enough and they won't kiss him so he storms off set so they need to get a girl so they go to the dry cleaners and they try to get this woman who's working the front and she's like oh oh i don't know and she's like i don't think i'm gonna do that and then she's like ask my sister and her sister is alma and then alma comes out and she's like yeah i'll do it yeah i i was in a school play once i played a refrigerator <laughs> and they're so talking about how good she was as a refrigerator and then she comes out and she's in all the rest of the movies and it really seems like she's the one running the show after that oh, totally. she seems to be the one who's directing in the montage yeah she, in the definitely. montage she's directing all the movies she's acting in all of them so oh, she, she keeps takes, it all together she keeps it all together and she she uh she makes it happen yeah and i like it too because you, you get this sense i mean i mean obviously like, they don't talk about it a lot but i feel like you kind of get this idea of like she probably is like living a pretty boring life working at this dry cleaners it's pretty unfulfilling and then this movie brings her so much joy after that even if she is like sometimes frustrated like it gives her like this additional sense of purpose that i thought was like really touching as well I kind of wish that they handled her storyline, the ending of it specifically, the resolution of it a little bit better because at the end when they are going to make their own original film, she or when they bring the business plan to Mr. Fletcher, she asks to be a big she's she says I want to be a part of this group. I don't want to just be the actors. I want to yeah. be one of the people. And they kind of just brush it off. Like, they don't really focus mm. on it that much. And I don't think it ever really gets brought up again. So I kind of I kind of wish that they had... I mean, I understand that that's not the point of the movie. But I do kind of wish that that was handled a little bit differently. Although it's, it was a 2008 film, like... Yeah. A decade ago, people weren't really focusing on... Maybe we should think about including... The females. Yeah, honestly. yeah, it's weird because it seemed like that was most of her arc and they were kind of focusing on the fact that she was getting left out in or at least not recognized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So But then they never resolved it. They're just like, yeah, yeah she was never recognized and that's that. <laughs> that's true. I didn't yeah, think that, about that. I didn't think about that either. Yeah, that is a bummer. But it's like it is odd that they would like do that because I mean she is such a central character. So the fact that like the other two characters like get kind of a happy ending and then she doesn't really it's a little bit unfair. I think she earned it more than they did, honestly. How <laughs> much work she put into it so you know like like we saw in the montage she was just as big of a part oh, as totally. making it happen mm -hmm. and uh, since we've been shouting out both uh jack black and mostef we need to shout out that her name is melanie diaz melanie yeah diaz. has she done anything else i don't i, I didn't recognize her i saw I her in fruitvale station she's really great that's in that. supposed to be good oh fantastic movie but she played the main character's girlfriend in that and like their relationship's very very convincing and i thought she was great in that yeah, check that out as well. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. Throw that in the recommendations. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> so yeah, the underrated. two films are very similar. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> well, all right. I think it's time we wrap this thing up. <laughs> okay. Do you want to start? Yes. Now that we got our little feminist talk out of the way. I think right in the way, actually. Right I think it was the perfect way. amount in the way <laughs> of the show. Well we're, well, we're recording this right after the Women's March, so... There you go. It was yesterday. It's precious. Wasn't it? It was yesterday. Yesterday and Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, today's Monday for all you listeners. Um, Monday the, right. what's the date? 22nd. The 22nd. There you go. Way to date the podcast. This isn't coming out for a while. <laughs> so then they'll really know. We have our stuff together here. It's at also 5.55 p.m. Oh my God. We've been, oh boy. We've been doing it for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so my final thoughts. I think that it's, I think that it's just like a really cute movie. Really feel good. It was a fun thing for me to watch on a Saturday afternoon, which is when I watched it. And... <laughs> You know, I don't think it's going to win any Oscars, <laughs> but, you know, in a in a world where all I do is watch bummer films, <laughs> I was really glad to just watch something that, at the end of the day, is all about togetherness and collaboration and the benefits of that and how it's not always easy, but it's always worth it, and that's kind of a nice reminder every once in a mm. while. And I felt the same way. Like, I feel like I also watch a lot of bummer movies, so to watch this and, like, and it be like oh, wow, like, that was, like, a very positive, nice movie. Like, it was very refreshing. So I think, yeah, anyone who's looking for just a, an effective feel-good movie will really like this. I think if you've liked movies about movie making in the past, this is probably an essential, nice, good one, uh, kind of in that subgenre. But very enjoyable, good entry in Michel Gondry's filmography. Yeah, recommend this one. I think this movie is just enjoyable, just overall, for anybody I would recommend this to people of any age, of any gender, any 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 way you do your life, I think this is a good one. What I think is particularly attractive about it is that this could totally be a kid's movie. You know, mm. if I were seven or eight and I watched this movie, I would love it. This is a movie you could watch with your family, you could watch it with a big group of friends, like what I did when I watched this and we all really enjoyed it. It was very fun to watch in a group. But I think this movie can also really be enjoyed by people who already love movies because there's a ton of little jokes and little things for you in there. If you've seen any of the movies that they're recreating, there's a bit where there's some local woman in the montage who's acting in their re reproduction of Carrie, and you see a you know half a second shot of her getting blood dumped on her. And you know, I was sitting with a friend who we just watched that together, and we both like jabbed each other in the ribs and went, "Ha!" <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> There's a scene where they re they do Ghostbusters and they set a Marshmallow Man on fire and he's a miniature. So just, it's great. Mm. I love it. I think everybody should see it. Yeah. That's my rec. How about actual movie recommendations? Do you want to go reverse order and I'll start? And sure. Both can finish <laughs> I hope you guys don't take mine because I won't be able to think of any on the fly. It's <laughs> a hard movie to come up with recommendations for. I just came up with one. Okay. The, the opposite of Jack Black, kind of, but also not really. Jack Black. Um, no, also Jack Black, <laughs> just in Jack, Jack Black in another movie. A more serious film, but Jack Black is still goofy, but not in his usual way, is Bernie. I think oh, you should see Bernie. He plays a man who, he's an assistant to this older woman, and things get complicated, and he murders her, and he goes to jail for it. But he's this sweet man, and he's loved by the community, and uh, you feel sorry for him. And it's very bizarre and incredibly uh, funny. So it's only slightly more serious, you say? Only slightly more serious, but it's okay. it's also total comedy. It's but like he, dry comedy. It's very dry comedy, and he he's such a different character in Bernie than he is in, you know, like, a Nacho Libre. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, Nacho. The, the usual Jack Black yeah. film. So yeah. yeah, I recommend Bernie to anybody who wants to see Jack Black do that some That one's good. Some it's based stuff. on a true story, too, That's which is entertaining. True. I, like, read... This is a very brief tangent, but the director, Richard Linklater, I think had the real-life Bernie, like, stay in his house, even though he's a murderer. But, like, it was, he's not, like, a deranged killer or anything. It's, like, a polite, kind man. Who Sounds just, like something I would never do. Something yeah, only no, a too. white man would do. <laughs> a just, white man? 
<laughs> I like white men. Um, <laughs> so I went with the general movies about movie making, that kind of theme. There's a lot that I like, but I think my most favorite one, and probably the most romanticized one, is Francois Truffaut's Day for Night, which basically it's this big ensemble movie that kind of details the making of this kind of just throwaway American movie, basically, starring Jacqueline Bisset and... They really, like, play into, like, look at all these impressive things that movies can do. Like, the whole opening is, like, them showing how complicated it is just to do, like, a street scene or whatever. But it really, like, goes in depth with all the different strategies that they employ while movie making. So that one's really, really fun. Lots of good, like, little emotional arcs for the characters as well. And I think it's honestly, like, one of my favorite Truffaut movies. He's always been very hit or miss for me, but that is one of his when everything comes together really well. Um, I also went, I guess this is a little dirtier, but I really like Boogie Nights as well. That was kind of Paul Thomas Anderson's breakout movie, and that's about, basically it is set during the golden age of porn. So that's the, those are the movies that are being made, but Like Day for Night is this big ensemble movie. It has a really, really great cast as like Mark Wahlberg, Julianne Moore, Burt Reynolds, Philip Seymour Hoffman, just great actors. Maybe a little bit less fun, kind of shows the dark underbelly of that industry, but it is fascinating nonetheless. So those are my recommendations. Cool. You guys didn't take any of mine. Thank you. Great. Thank God. The number one movie that I would recommend if you like this one would probably be Brigsby Bear, Mm. which just came out in 2017. That's a movie about Kyle Mooney, of SNL fame, um, discovers that what he thought was his parents' house was actually his kidnapper's house so he Ooh. grew up thinking that his kidnappers were his parents um, the dad was played by Mark Hamill oh. and <laughs> there was a TV show that he loved watching as a kid and he finds out that it was actually his dad who made the TV show but he loved it so much that even once he got out he still wanted to make a movie about the character from the TV show and the character was called Brigsby Bear so it's kind of his story of how he goes about creating that. It's also, you know, someone who loves movies, making movies, big on collaboration. It's really pure, like more pure than this as far as nobody judges anybody. Everybody's very nice, very reasonable. There's conflict still, but it's all just so nice. Mm. I don't even know. But when I was recommended this movie, it was because the friend who recommended it to me said, I know you loved Brigsby Bear, and this is a lot like that. So, Brigsby Bear. I would also recommend Don't Think Twice, which is Mike Birbiglia's second oh, yeah. film that he wrote. It's a little bit darker, a little bit more cynical, a lot more cynical, if I'm being honest. But it's about his journey as a comedian trying to get on SNL or really get anywhere and how it feels when the people around you are succeeding and you're not succeeding and all that kind of stuff. But again, it's about creation and collaboration. My last one, which is a little bit more out there, it's a little bit more of a stretch, I guess I would say, is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. So good. We stand. Very, very good. (laughs) Because... Again, it's about collaboration and creation and how working together is really the only way to get where you want to be. And it's also just really good. It's just so so good. And it's not the same tone at all. It has music. It's about music. It's not about movies. But it's just really good and everyone should see it. Anyways, whether Mm -hmm. you liked this movie or not, see Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. (laughs) Oh, for sure. (laughs) Big feelings for Edgar Wright in this room. (laughs) Yes, we, in this house, we love Edgar Wright. (laughs) In this small blue house. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, no, I need to see Biggs Brewer and uh, Don't Look Twice. Like, those have been on my Netflix queue for so long, and I just like haven't watched them. But now yeah. it's time. Yeah, Don't Think Twice. It's it's a little bit more of a bummer, but yeah. it's, it definitely has those same kind of themes, and it's mm -hmm. like a different perspective on it. Celia, thank you very much for joining us yeah. a second time. Thank you. So kind of you to lend your voice <laughs> to us. Where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at FilmsUnstuck or on Tumblr, FilmsUnstuck.tumblr.com. Great. Fantastic. Anything else you want to say, Blake? Um, I don't think so. I think we're chilling. Cool. I just wanted to check, just in case. Okay. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> well, if you want to hear more of us talking about movies, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Android, Stitcher, now TuneIn Radio, and our website, uwpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at TheFilmCast, and you can find us on our personal profiles at Aiden Walkero or at Blake W. Peterson. If you want to write to us about a suggestion or you just want to share your thoughts, you can shoot us an email at cinemadventurepodcast at gmail.com. If you like the show, please share it with a friend. I'm trying to get the word out on it, as usual. If you want to follow along with us, next Monday we will be talking about Mildred Pierce. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. For more like this and other great shows covering sports, science, relationships, and the arts, visit the Soundbites website, uwpodcast.com. That's uwpodcast.com.